0: Good morning, everybody. Today, B'Zahat Hashem, we'll be learning Taf Chaf Hey in Maseches Bavakama. But, Andrew, you know how we roll. We have to start the Mishnah on Haftal and Beis. Otherwise, none of it makes any sense. Okay, we're going to talk about some fascinating stuff today. Even more fascinating stuff tomorrow, but, but really fascinating Mishnah over here. Shor HaMazek asks the Mishnah. Uh, you will remember the Machlok Chachamim and Rabbi Tarfon. This is the Locust classicus Phil. That means the Primary source. I'm, I know a little bit of Latin. It's not a big deal. Of the, of the machlokas, where we said typically, I'll say it a little bit outside. We typically say that Karen, as Rashi says here, we're talking about Karen, right? Sure, So when it comes to Karen, where there's right intent to damage, so to speak. So it's unlike Shane and Regal. This is going to be the point, the first point that we're going to make today. Whereas, Shane and Regal, we said, were something that the animal habitually does. So then it's just a question of, are you trespassing, animal? So if, if your animal's trespassing, right? It's a Hezek Mamon. If your animal's trespassing, so then you're going to be chayev. You're going to be chayev fully for Shane and Regal, right? Because you're not allowed to go into Andrew's yard and start eating his veggies. Whereas if your animal's in Rosh Hashanah Rabim, then it's expected for it to be walking and eating and doing all those things. So anybody, anything that Andrew puts out in the Rosh Hashanah would set his own risk. And, and, and Barry's animal, Barry's bull, in the Rosh Hashanah is totally putter. Barry's bull in Andrew's yard is totally chayev, nezek shalem. That is totally what I like to call Rosh right, Hashanah dependent. It's all dependent on where Barry's animal is doing the eating. If it trespasses private property, it's chayev. If it does not, it is putter. Very good. But if Barry's bull, what's called, call it, it's a Tom. It's a first-time offender. Barry had no reason to know. But Barry's bull starts going wild and gores somebody. Chas Shalom. So then it doesn't matter where it gored it. Barry should have watched it. It doesn't matter whether it's in Erish HaSarabim or Erish yachid. If it's a tom, it's chatsi nezek. If it's a muad, if it's habitual, it's nezek shalom. And all of that, according to the Chachamim, is Rishus independent, right? That doesn't matter whether he did an Rishus or Rabim. A Karen is totally Rishus independent. Now that is the opinion of the Chachamim. And we said, Rabbi Tarfon holds, that if Barry's bull not only gores, but trespasses, right, goes into Andrew's yard and gores there, then doesn't matter if it's a Tom, doesn't matter if it's a first time offense, Right, whereas the Chachamim would say that that a first-time offender, even in Andrew's yard, is going to uh, is going to only be high of nezek. The Rabbi Tarfon, the sheet of Rabbi Tarfon, is if that bull trespasses and gores somebody in Andrew's yard chas v'shalom, then he's going to be hive according to Rabbi Tarfon nezek shalom. So there is a difference according to Rabbi Tarfon between goring somebody in a Rashus harabim and in a There's going to be that difference. And uh, we're going to see a very reasonable svarah for why Rabbi Tarifon holds so. So without further ado, let's read inside. Says the Mishnah. What would be the halacha if Barry's bull um, gores somebody in Andrew's yard? So first of all, what does it look like? Nagach, right? If it gored, if it nagach, if it pushed. Nashach, if it bit, ravots, if it squatted on, or ba'at, or if it kicked. Uh, all of those are aggressive behaviors, and so it doesn't have to be dafka with a horn, even though, as Rashi says, this is what's called Karen, right? Kulan told those Karen hands, as Rashi. That is aggressive behaviors, that is Karen, okay? Says the Mishnah, right? That, this is a Tom, obviously, the first time offender. It's a machlokas in Andrew's yard, Rabbi Tarfan, Omer Nezek, Shalem. So like we said, Rabbi Tarfan says you have to pay Rebi Nezek, Shalem. And Chachamim say that this is a truly um, independent activity, and that aggressive behavior is going to be for a time even in Andrew's yard. So now the, gemar- the Mishnah itself uh, is going to explain the reasoning. We don't always see this, but sometimes we do. In the mission itself, we have the reasoning as follows. Rabbi Tarifon said, right, a dialogue in the mission is not, you don't see that every day, Phil. We do see it occasionally. says Rabbi Chachamim, This is a great reason. I think it's an amazing Svara. As follows. Well, when you have Shane and Regel, right, as we just described, so that's just regular activity. If it's in Rosh you're going to be Potter. And yet, we say that the halacha is that if you do said regular activity of eating and walking in Andrew's backyard and you trespass, you're going to pay nezek shalim. So, says Rabbi Tafon, so when you have aggressive behavior and you're, so to speak, machmir on that aggressive behavior by making you pay even in a reshusha rabim, ain't no din, shenachmir, alav reshusha nezek, lashom nezek shalim? Is it right, not logically compelling? Can't you say a Kalvachomer, as we would call it? Is not logically comparing that we would be Mahmir, so to speak, that we would say that he has to pay more in Andrew's yard to pay Nezek Shalem? Right? In other words, it's very straightforward, I think. This is a great svar. If you're, if you're trespassing, then it doesn't even matter even all, if all you do is walking on his veggies, you're going to be chayv Nezek Shalem. So wouldn't that stand to reason if you're trespassing and you're doing something even worse, an aggressive behavior, it should be at least as bad as walking on his veggies, right? If you walked on his veggies, you're going to pay Nezek Shalib. So what? If you trespass and gourd, you're going to pay Chatzin Nezek? How does that make any sense? So the Chachamim, what would they respond? So in the Mishnah, they say, Amrulo, Dayo lavomin hadin lios kenidon. Wow. So this is the principle of Dayo. We're going to kick this principle around, it's gonna be the topic of the daf. Dayo, It's enough, that the source law, right, uh, the, the, the inferred law can't be more than the source law. What are we talking about? Again, of all the possibilities, there's only one that's not spelled out, which is to say, we know that Shane for sure in Ereshus Harabim is Pater. And we know that Shane for sure in Urshus Hanizak is Nezik Shalim. And we know that Karen Iner HaRabim, is going to be Chatzi Nezek in the Tam. The only thing we don't know is what would the what would be the payment for a Karen in Er-Shush Hanizak. The only thing we don't know is what, right, that's not spelled out. But we don't have Acher, what happens with Karen, right? In uh, when when uh, you trespass and gore, okay. So <laughs> here comes the dialogue now. So we have some we have some um, material, some information uh, as far as what to do for Karen in Rishas That's Chazi Nezek, okay. And so the question is, do you can you say when you learn an inference from Chazi Nezek, right within Karen? And you apply and you say that it's going to be Chayiv also in Rishus nizak. Can you say that you can infer that it's going to be more than Chatzinazak in Rishus nizak? When you make the inference that it's also Chayiv in Rishus nizak, there's a the principle of Dayo, which the Gemara will explain the source for, that that inference, when you infer how much the payment should be, it can never be more than what the source right, material that is a fixed point, we'll call it, uh, is. So, the fixed point within Karen is That is the only thing we know. We don't know how much it'll be in Rosheth HaNizek. So, even though it might be true that logically, Rabbi Tarfer would say, well, you're trespassing, it should be more. Okay, I'm not gonna deny you that that is logical, but the legal procedure is that it, when you make an inference, the inferred right payment, even though it's in a slightly different environment, can't be more than the fixed payment that we know in the Rishas This is what the Chachamim say. It's the principle of Dayo. Dayo means when you infer a punishment, we'll call it, right because we'll see that context. When you infer a punishment in a more severe, now how do you make the inference? You're making the inference through a Kav right? You say like, well, there's a punishment in Rishas HaRabim. Certainly there's going to be a punishment in Andrew's yard right that's a more severe seeming thing but that's an inference you're allowed to make that inference the only thing you're not allowed is to because of the fact that you made the inference to make the pun- to assume that the punishment is more severe the level of punishment has to stay the same okay that is the best way i can explain the principle of Dayo. so the Chachamim say amulo Dayo, love leos kanidown right that's why the Chachamim hold that it's completely recursive independent and therefore it would be khatinezik it, for a time, even in Rishusanizak, even in Andrew's yard. So my Breshus Rabim Chatzinezak, Af Bershushanizak, right? Just like in the like again, the locus classicus, in the in the one fixed point that we know it's Nezek. so too in Rishus it's gonna be Chatzinazak. Okay. So Rabbi Tarfan said, what would he reply to this? Does he not hold of Dial? af ani, as we arrive at the very manageable time, five forty four AM. Afami, La Karen Me Karin. Ani This is an interesting uh, explanation. He says, "You know, I'm not really learning Karen McCarey. It's true. If I l- learned Karen from Karen, so then that inference would be subject to Dayo, right? I, I don't have right, any. I don't have any real um, source for Karen in Rishas and Izak. But I do have a source for Regel and Rishus HaNizak because that, as we said, the Torah does say. The Torah says that in Rishus HaMazik, it's put, in in, in Rishus HaRabim, it's pater, and in Rishus HaNizak, it's it's as uh, Shaleim. So what Rabbi Tarfon is saying is, I'm not learning it Karen from Karen. I'm learning Karen from Regel, and therefore Right, just like in Rishus Arabim, where if you all you are doing is Shane and Regal and walking, and and the, all the animal is doing is meandering around, and it's going to be potter, and yet if it uh, engaged in aggressive behavior, we're machmir. So again, he's saying that I am taking a step from shane. I am looking at the Torah, and the Torah makes a step from shane to Karen, right? Because after all, in Rishus Arabim, the shane and regel is going to be potter, and hichmir with Karen, the Karen is going to be chayev. So therefore, Malcolm Shahikhmer Al Hashain, Valaregel, Bashusan Izak, but Karen. And so if Shane and Regel, he's really just restating the argument, right? And it seems probably not, but it you know, the nuances in how he represents his argument is something that we could just sit and discuss. But the point is, he's saying if Shane and Regel are Patr and and Karen is not, right, because after all we do know that Atam is going to be high of and So therefore, So therefore, if Shane and Regal are chayev in Rishos Nizak in Andrew's yard, So isn't all the more so true that you're going to be in Machim um, Another way of saying it, which is not really what he's saying necessarily, but is easier to understand, is Shane and Regal, the only, um, right, the only time that you're going to be chayev, as we said, is if you trespass. So so we're talking, so it's almost like as if every Tafran saying, I'm not talking about the Hezek, per se. I'm talking about like the Hezek when you trespass. When you trespass for Shane v'regel, you're gonna be Hikmir you're gonna be machmir. So, of course, so again, We said that Shane and Regel, these habitual behaviors are obviously gonna be, right, are going to be chayiv in Andrew's yard. So, so uh, isn't it, of course, true? So he's restating the argument that you give me or Karen. So again, another way of saying it is, the way I understand it is a, is, is a little bit wrong, but I see it as almost like not a Kavachomer, meaning it's not Hezek in a way. It is Hezek, but it's trespassing. Why am I saying it that way? Because Because the fact of the matter is, the Chachabim are extrapolating Karen from Karen. And when you extrapolate Karen from Karen, there's a principle of Dayo, right? And the Chachabim are pretending like they don't know what would happen if, an anim- if Barry's animal walked into Andrew's yard, right, in the context of Shane and Regal. They're only looking, isolating Karen. And they're saying, well, Karen, we know what would be in Rosh Hashanah, it would be a and we have no idea what it would be in Hushas HaYachid. And therefore we have, we, we can assume that it will be still be Chayev because it's an aggressive behavior, but it's only going to be Nezek Whereas Rabbi Tarfan saying, what do you mean we have no idea? Look at Shane Varegel. <laughs> Shane Varegel, which is potter in Hushas Rabim, just the very act of trespassing makes you Chayev in Andrew's yard. So isn't trespassing just like Asser in general? So why would Karen in Andrew's yard be be any less than Shane Verregel. I mean, so I, 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 so I am bringing in this idea of trespassing to justify why Rabbi Tarfon could learn a Kavachomer even from Shane Verregel, right? Even though he's learning a Kavachomer And Karen, once you introduce this idea of trespassing, so you could learn a Kavachomer from Shane Veregel, according to Rabbi Tarfon's uh, reasoning, okay? And then the Mishnah finishes with the Chacham just answering him what they said before, so it's almost like they're doing a little bit of a couple of laps around these concepts because they're doubling down on their point, which is, Amr dayo lo minadin lios kinidon. Right? So <laughs> are going back to him. So it's almost like they're both talking about, right, so, so what does this mean uh, when translated? They're reaffirming their principle of dayo, that you can't extrapolate more than what it is, and we're only dealing within the world of Karen, so, just like just arriving with Karen would be Chatzin Ezek, ah, so to an Andrew's Yard it would be Chatsi Nezek. So, they're talking apples and oranges, right? The uh, Rabbi friend is saying, well, obviously there's trespassing we do Shane Varegel, and therefore, even if this is not technically Shane Varegel, it's Karen, it's also trespassing, so be obviously Nezek Shaleen. Whereas Chachamim is saying, no, we're talking isolated in the world of Karen. In the world of Karen, there's this concept of Dayo where you can't extrapolate the punishment to be more severe than the actual extrapolation. Good Barry so far? You got the Mishnah? Now this is where the discussion of the actual halacha, uh, Rabbi Rabbi, Tarfur and the Chachamim, as far as the fascinating idea, what should be the halacha in Andrew's yard with Karen, is going to be left for tomorrow. What the Gemara is going to be doing for the rest of today is getting into these hermeneutic principles, Phil. It's going to be getting into, how can do you learn dio? Where do we learn this idea of Dayo? The anatomy of a Kalvachomer and, and sort of like, how do we, uh, how, how do, we do these Darshas? Now, don't try this at home, right? We're not allowed to make any of these Darshas anyways, but let's see how Chazal, a little insight into what was going on in their Darshas as follows. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Tarfan, Leis Le is it true that Rabbi Tarfon doesn't hold of dio? Now, the way I explained it, I didn't say that he didn't hold of dio. He could concede dio. He just doesn't hold, right? In other words, he just maybe doesn't even think it's a cavalcomer. But that's clearly not what the Gemara thinks. The Gemara thinks that Rabbi Tarfon somehow maybe does think of the Kalvachomer, but he doesn't mind, right? <laughs> How do I say this? If you hold, if you're staying within Karen as the Chachamim do, and you're isolating Karen, so then, and you apply the principle of Dayo, then you'll never be high of more than Chatsin in in Erishas Izak, right? That's the Shita of the Chachamim, right? So the way I explain it is, Rabbi Tarfon doesn't, doesn't even hold necessarily the Kalvachomer from Karen. That's what Rabbi Tarfon said, right? So, but but still, the Gamar persists and assumes that if you really held of Dayo, so then you would. Still hold like the Chachamim. Even if you're coming from a different angle of trespassing and, and Shane Varegel, Dayo would limit you to never be able to charge more, so to speak, than Chatzin for Karen and Rosh Hashan Okay. So, does this mean, says the Gemara, that Ritavan doesn't hold of Dayo? It says the Gemara, Dayo Daraisahu. Dayo is in the Torah. Wow. Okay. This idea of Dayo in the Torah, and therefore we would have to hold of it to Tanya, because we have a price that says, Midin kavachomer so the the brisa explains that from the very same place that we learn this hermeneutic principle of a kal we learn from that same place the fact that you can't extend it beyond dayo. How so? Says the pasuk. What happened? Miriam said lashon Moshe, her brother. Wow, and she had to have a punishment. She had to have tsaras for a week. And Moshe said, Kel, never fun, not luck. Can you just please make her better? He dialed it on her behalf. And he said, he said to Moshe, listen, man, if a person were to be embarrassed by, her, by their parent, right, if he was to spit in their face. So obviously something happened when the parent humiliated them, where there was right, some sort of interaction where they should be humiliated and their parent uh, expressed that to them. Would they not be embarrassed for at least seven days? Okay, so this is the fixed point. The fixed point is assumed that if somebody is displeased their parents and is thus humiliated, they should be embarrassed for seven days. That indeed was the, uh, the amount of time of the quarantine of Miriam, okay? She was quarantined for seven days. Says the Gemara, and the Shechina, are Yom. The Ka'va that you would think from this is that, that the Shechina, if you're, imba- if you're embarrassed in front of the Shekhinah, so first of all, we're learning unbelievable uh, uh, Hazara here for Lashon Hara, right? This is quoted uh, by the Chafas Chaim, of course. How could it not be? This whole concept of Lashon Hara. Did you know that Miriam is one of the Sheish Zachiros? That Miriam did this? Miriam kind of took one for the team. Isn't it Lashon Hara to say that Miriam spoke Lashon Hara? I don't know. Think about that conundrum. But it, it says, in fact, in the Torah, I'm looking right in, in Parshat Kitzhasei, yeah, you know this about this, Pasuk. Yeah, so it's one of the Sheish Zechiros. It says six different times in the Torah. And one of them is you have to remember what Miriam, what Hashem did to Miriam. It's a cautionary tale about Lashon Hara. Okay? So we have this cautionary tale about Lashon Hara. What did Hashem in fact do? So we have to remember this every single day. So it's a good thing we're bring, bringing it up, right? You're glad I brought it up. Every single day you're supposed to remember what Hashem did to Miriam. What did Hashem do to Miriam on the way to time? He quarantined her for seven days, made everybody wait for her. Can you imagine, this is really embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. They have to wait because now everybody knows that they're waiting because he spoke, he spoke Lashon Hara. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, this is humiliating. Can we please move on? He says, no. If a parent embarrassed you, it would be at least a week of embarrassment. So, kalvachom So, the assumption here is that kalvachom all the more so if this embarrassment happens before Hashem, which is to say it should be at least beki flying, right? Which at least should be double. You would think it would be 14 days. And yet, eladayo, lavo And yet, the nidon here is the embarrassment by a parent, which would be a seven day embarrassment. And so even though embarrassment by Hashem is going to be more, you would think it's 14, the most I'm going to give Miriam is seven. I'm going to give her the same amount, which is to say, I'm going to infer that she has to have a seven-day quarantine because we, there is no uh, primary source to teach you that embarrassment, uh, anything about embarrassment by Hashem, in front of Hashem. So, but I can infer that it's at least as much as embarrassment by a, a parent uh, obviously, because Hashem is one of the right uh, partners in your, in your uh, birth, let's say, right? So it's at least as much as a parent, but I cannot infer any more than a week, even though logic would dictate it would be more. I can only use that logic to tell you that it will also be punishment by embarrassing Hashem, but not more. Okay, that's what it means. Well, that's the, so, by the way, mind you, this is where you learn a, the whole concept of uh, Kavachomer, and it is indeed the same place where you learn that the Kav Khomer has this limitation of Dayo. So we see that it is Midor Reis, and therefore Rabbi Tarfon can't reject this Dayo. So why? how can he reject it in our Mishnah? Asks of the Gmar. So the Gmar answers, Dayo Fascinating idea. Uh, Rabbi Tarfon, uh, where does he not hold of Dayo? Where once you have, right, when the Kav Khomer would be completely nullified, that's the case of our Mishnah. The Gemara is going to explain how that happens. But when the Calvah is intact, then he does, of course, apply Dayo. In other words, Rabbi Tarfar does hold the principle of Dayo, but only where it can limit the Calvah application, but the Calvah still survives. If, if, if the application of Dayo kills the Calvah in the crib, as it were, right, and then knocks the whole thing out, then we have no obligation to, to apply the so, for example, in the case of Moshe Rabbeinu, you still have the Kav In other words, what we didn't know was that Miriam would have to be quarantined altogether. After all, her parent didn't embarrass her. I mean, there was an embarrassment in front of her parent. There was embarrassment before Hashem. So we have a Kav to teach you that there is a punishment to Miriam altogether. And just because we limit her quarantine to seven days instead of 14, does, does, doesn't mean that we haven't learned anything. We have learned something. The fact that she has a quarantine altogether, right? Whereas in the case of Nezek. How does that apply? Let's see. Says the Gemara. Hasam, shiva dashchina loksivi. Now it's spelling out what I just said outside. It says, over there, in the case of Miriam, it never said that you would have to sit for seven days, right, for, a, for being embarrassment in front of Hashem. Also, kava I see our basar. So the kavachomer would have taught you that it should be 14 days. Also, dayo apik shiva v'oke Right? And then the Dayo comes and limits away. takes seven and leaves seven intact. Right? So, indeed, right? The Kavachomer has still taught you, as I just explained, right? That you, that you have to wait for seven days altogether. So you could apply the Kavachomer and apply Dayo. In that case, Rebbe Tarfon certainly would agree. However, in our Mishnah, Chatzin Siv, it already says for damages of a Karen in Rosh Right? Without qualification, Oh, okay. And we have a Kalvachomer, and the Kalvachomer would say that if you're also trespassing, that Chatinezik would would actually turn into Nezek Shalem. Right? So We already know that Yochai of for Karen. In other words, what would you think? Uh, that Yochai of that Andrew's bull is high, uh, Barry's bull rather, sorry, Andrew. That Barry's bulls chai of or abim, and not Chai anything in Andrew's yard, that certainly is ridiculous. That would never be the case. So the least would be would be Okay? So wait a minute. So now you have no Kalvachomer at all. Once you limit the dio to Chatinezik, you already know that you're at least Chatzinek. So you have no Kalvachomer whatsoever. The limitation gets rid of all the teeth of the of the Now you've learned nothing extra. In that case, he will not agree, right? Now you have no Kalvachomer at all. And therefore, right, in that case, Rabbi Tarpon is not going to hold of Dayo. Oh. So now the Gemara says, how do the Chachamim actually, how would they look at this? Well, the Rabbanans say that the seven-day quarantine for for uh, rebuke in front of Hashem is already written, because it's seger Shiva shamim so he says, you know what? says there about bottom. Guess what? We already knew that this dayo is is actually analogous to the dio in our Mishnah. The Dayo of Miriam and the Daya of Mishnah are the same because we already knew that they're gonna have she, that she has to sit for seven days and wait from the Shechina. That was not something that we had to learn from a man. That's something we already learned from Tisage shivas Yomim. Right? It says, let it be quarantined for seven days. When did you think that was going to be? That was in this case of being saying, Lashna Harbi from Nehashem. Rabbi Tarfon, so where would Rabbi Tarfon respond? Right? That, what, that the section where it says Tisager is to teach you the idea of Kavachomer and that there is the concept of Dayo, okay? So again, here it's like if you read the Psukim you wouldn't know any of this. But now we're getting a little inside baseball behind the curtain that how they read each part of the Pasuk. So Rabban have a different possibility, Tisagir Miriam. Not Tisagir Shivas Yemim, but when it says Tisagir Miriam that she was quarantined outside the camp for seven days, we learn Daya from there. We don't learn Daya from Tisagir Shivas Yemim. So Rabbi Tarfon, Ahu Da Be'alma Dashina Daya, Rabbi Tarfon says that, he says that the second possibility to teach you what? The Daya not only applies to that case of Miriam, but it applies elsewhere. Da Filu da dayo. It applies elsewhere in the Torah, and why would you think that it would only apply by Moshe Rabbeinu and not elsewhere in the Torah? It says the Gemara Mishim Kvodesh Moshe kamash Malan. says Rabbi Taraphon, you might have thought that the only reason why Dayo this whole principle that we're now mentioning this whole limitation applies is only to Miriam. Why? Mishim Kvodesh Moshe it's out of deference to Moshe protects you, right? Like normally the Kabachom should have been 14 days but out of respect for Moshe Rabbeinu we limited. <clears throat> and by the way, all of Kali's trail, we have to wait another seven days. I mean, can you imagine if you told a minion that they have to wait another seven minutes? There would be an uproar. So here they're telling them they have to wait the whole Klai Israel, another seven days. Oh my gosh. So Adam covered for Klai Yisrael, I've covered for Moshe. We're going to limit it. Of course, so there, maybe you would think there's only Dayo. But every other case, Nezek Shalem, chatzin Nezek, of course there wouldn't be Dayo. Kamash Malan, know that the reason why we need to have this principle of Dio twice is to teach you once the principle and the other one is the application elsewhere in the Torah. Okay. Fine. So everybody holds of dio. Is that true? Let's see. Do you know? So Rabbi Ta- again, even Rabbi Tarfon agrees that there's dayo in a case where it doesn't ruin it Kalvachomer. It's only when it ruins the Kalvachomer completely that Rabbi Tarfon doesn't hold, it. and he holds that that's the case in our Mishnah. But there might be a tana that never holds of dayo ever. He doesn't hold it this limiting principle at all. Where do we see that? The Tanya carry 9. Uh oh, what's going on here? Tuma, guys. Okay, the term as carry, and a term as zav. A is oozing; he certainly is, but it's not technically carry per se. It kind of is, kind of isn't. A can be a bal carry. What's going on with the zav? He's oozing. He sees emissions time and time again without getting into um, without getting into every detail. We know that a zav is metame masot uvimaga, right? Uh, uh, right. So again. When a Zov is oozing, he's going to make something else tame, either Bemasa by, touch, by touching it or Bemasa by carrying it. Okay. Okay. What if he sees Kerry? So Kerry is not technically zav, but he's also going to be Metameh, Bemasa, Maga if he sees it. Uh, I'll say it better. I'll say it better. The Torah actually tells you that if, if someone's a Zov and he gets his saliva on you, okay, so you are going to be tameh from the saliva of a zav. That's really important. Okay. So so now, if the saliva of a zav is going to be matame, certainly you would think the carry of a zav would be matame. Let's see it inside. The dinhu, right? So again, carry me nine. How do you know that carry bezav is going to be masa B'masa uve'maga, right? By touch again, by touching or carrying it. So dinhu ma tahar b'tar tameh be Tamme. right? Just like if if you would get saliva on you from a Ta'har person, right, you would still be Tar, right? Right right? That which is Tar when coming from a Tar person, which is saliva from a Tar person, is Tame when coming from a Tame person. Well that's the thing. Right? If a Zub gets saliva on you, you're Tameh. So and if a regular person gets saliva on you, you're Tar. If a Ta'har person gets saliva on you, you're Tahar. So again, the Kaaba makes Perfect sense. If the saliva of a tameh person is going to be matame, then carry, which is inherently tameh, tum, if that gets on you, then that's certainly going to be tameh, right? Then Tome betar, namely carry, which is Tome, even in a tawer person, ainu dingei a Of course, right? The, this carry is certainly going to be Mitame You, oh, the kamaisi lo la maga Tana learns that the that that the tuma. Of the zav's carry is going to be true, bain touching or carrying. Okay, so now we're going to show how this sh- how this illustrates that this tana holds of da- does not hold of dayo at all. Amai, now why would you be able to derive that Kabachomer? After all, ahani Kabachomer Shouldn't you say ahani dayo lapuke masa? Shouldn't the Kabachomer kalv- the should be enough to teach you that the carry of a zav is going to convey tuma to through touching? And dayo, right, would, wouldn't that exclude the zav from conveying tuma through carrying? After all, touching and carrying are not the same thing. Carrying would be like if, right, if, it, if the saliva gets on something that you're actually carrying as opposed to getting on you and touching you directly. So that in itself is an extension of the halacha, okay? So, so again, the, the tana does not apply... Dayo, because extending Tumas, Maga, and Masa to Bal Baal requires a Kalva without Dayo, right? Because all we're doing is extending it all the way for Maga and for Masa, right? So what this Tana is clearly doing is totally disregarding Dayo, right? If you had not disregarded Dayo, you would say you'd be able to extend Tumas, Keri, right? Uh, from, from the Tuma of spittle of Saliva, but maybe not all the way to Masa, like, why are you saying that the Allah is exactly the same? Are you totally disregarding Daya? So it says, Well, you might say, well, the reason why you can extend it is because if it were only extended to touching, you would need a Kavachom for that. So again, if you need a Kavachomer to learn that the Tumas carry of a zav, right, is going to be even mitame with touching, so then I can understand, right, that, that you have to learn that Kavachomer, and therefore you would therefore not be, uh, you would therefore not, you would need the next thing to learn um, that would be for carrying as well, right? But, so if you're going to say that you don't need a Kavachomer, so then you would not learn anything at all if you didn't also learn carrying, right? But if you're going to say that you don't need a Kavachomer, so then you're okay. Then you might be applying Dayo as follows. So, so let's see it inside. If you're going to say that for touching, you don't need a Kalvachomer. Because obviously, he, sh- he, should, be no, he, sh- he should be no worse than a person who's tar. Meaning it certainly should be a mitame. So it's No, the fact is, you need to learn that a Zav's carry is Aser. Again, Andrew, this is astounding. The Zav spit... Right is is metame, so certainly his carry should be mitame. No, it's actually not. It's, you still need to learn that the zavs carry is mitame also separately. Why? Because you might have said that when it comes to carry, it says it's only a mikre lila. Okay, which is to say, any ones whose natural carry causes him to experience as a primary cause of discharge. Is going to be actually Chayev. It's going to be, I keep saying Chayev, I really mean Tame. It's going to be Tame. So what's fascinating here is it might be excluding somebody else where it's not really primarily an issue of a carry emission, but it's the Davar Acher. It's the fact that it is Zav, right? So again, about Kerry, who's primarily his whole issue is that he's having carry. that's the emission that he's having. Okay. And therefore that is a mikralila. But a zov is just oozing all the time. Like that's a different thing. Happens to be sometimes he has carry. So you're going to say, so you may say that he does not actually matame even bemaga, kamash malon. Therefore you need the kavachomer just to teach us that the zov's carry conveys tumma at all, even with touching. So since you need that kavachomer, right? So now it is for that reason, that you couldn't, that the Kavachomer would not have been nullified entirely by applying Dayo. And still, the Tana doesn't apply it, right? So we see that even when it wouldn't be nullified entirely, the Tana does not apply Dayo. Ah. The Gemara says no. That really all carry is the same. When the Pasuk says, he's saying that you don't need any special Kavachomer. And as one might have assumed initially that that the fact of the matter is that Azov's carry is certainly going to convey Tuma through, through Maga. And therefore, all you need is to, is the only way that a Kavachomer, the only extra thing it can teach you is that it also is, uh, going to be Matame through Masa, through carrying. And it is for that reason that the Tana doesn't apply a Dayo, because doing so would nullify the Kavachomer entirely. And therefore, he holds more like Rabbi Tarfon, that, that, that the application is, of Dayo is not going to be used when you would nullify the Kavachomer entirely. And even though it still holds of Dayo in the case where it, w- where it wouldn't nullify the Kavachomer entirely and we're still intact, we do not have a Tana that doesn't hold of Dayo at all. Fine. Once we discuss this, we want to say, <speaking in Hebrew> Wait, who is this Tana? This is a digression. That holds that 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 carries of a Zub is going to be Mitamba <speaking in Hebrew>. B'masa. Who holds that? Lower B'leza lower Yeshua? You know it's not going to be Rabbi Elazar or Rabbi Yisha. Why? The Tnan it says Tnan, but they guess it changes to Tanya. It's really Brisa. Shich va Masa Rabbi Elazar. holds explicitly that the carry of Azav is Metameh by touching, but not by carrying. And Rabbi Yisha Omre Af Metameh masa, and even Rabbi says that it is indeed Metameh Masa, But Lefisha <speaking> If <in Hebrew> The only reason he holds that Metameh Masa is because. It's impossible for the carry to not have some of the oozy flow of the liquid of Zav in it. It's not because of the Tummah. In other words, even Rabbi Yeshua holds, right, that it's not the actual carry of the, of the Zav that's going to be matami, but it's the little, the little uh, Ziva uh, pellets in there that are going to make him. So the carry the itself is not. As the Gemara spells out, the only reason sure says it's matam is because it's tzitzu chaziva therein. It sounds like without that, there would be no, uh, there would right, there would be no tumas masa. So we don't have a Tana who holds that the tumas carry of masa is matame. Says the Gemara Tana No, it's the Tana that we learned in the Mishnah above them. What's the Mishnah above them? The Mishnah in the third Mishnah in Kalim. Perak Aleph, Mishnah Gimel, and this That is actually a Mishnah, as we return to Chaveim Vez at the manageable time, 613, and also symbolic time of almost 613. Zobo Shelzav, Veroka Shivashikh Hazara, Zoramim Well, there is a Mishnah that you could sink your teeth into. The, the Mishnah in Kalem says the Zava of Zav, the fluid of Zav, and his saliva, and his carry, and his urine, and the Dham of the Nida, all of these Tomei fluids. Are weather, bemaga, bem right. So now we know that they all are metame, whether you touch them or whether you carry them, okay? So, right, even through carry by association, indirect, okay? So wait a minute. So now we have the Tana. The Tana holds, bem bem now we learn that the two must. Uh, that the that the carry of a zav is going to be matame even be masa. says the gemara. Wait a minute. We said before that the only reason why the carry of a zav is going to be chayav according to Yeshua is because it may have little uh, droplets of zav in there. How do we know that it's because of the carry itself? The gemara says. What does this mean? Listening to zova is like this. Look at the construct of the Mishnah and Kalim. It says, it says the, zo- the ooze of the Zav and his spittle and his Shehva huh. what? If it would have said, if it were to be true, follow this, Barry, if it were to be true that the only reason why the Shehva the zera is usher is because it has little flakes of Zav in it, then it would have said, Zovoshel Zav v'Shehva Zaro, Right, And it would have uh, made the sheikh v'zerah juxtaposed to the zav because it's the only because of the zav that the sheikh v'zerah is tameh. But it didn't do that. It split it up. It had the word roke in there in between. zov sh'el zav v'erok v'sheikh That's what it says here. right? If it were true that the only reason why Yechayim for the carry is because of the zav therein, then it would have said zov Shazov zav v'sheikh But it didn't say that. Right? mishnah the Ketani Legabiroko. What do we learn from the fact that the word veroko is stuck in between Zova Zav and Shekhla Zara? Elamishum Miroko. It must be because it's derived from his rope which is to say that we've identified the Tana of the Brysa uh, with the Tana of this Mishnah in Kalim. It is he who holds that the Shekhvas Zara of a Zav is Metame Masa. Beautiful. Okay. Back to daya now. Oh, this is great. We're totally out of tuma. Isn't that great? That was that was rough, wasn't it? For five thirty in the morning. We're still looking for a tana that doesn't hold of dayo at all. Let's see. The tanya mappets Uh-oh, back to tuma. How do we know that a corpse is matame a mat that it's on? Shouldn't it be a kavachomer? Oh, that's a coincidence. This week's parsha. How do you like that, Barry? I mean, what are the odds? Pachim metam What's going on, pachim If you have earthenware vessels, right, earthenware vessels are never going to be, if a zav touches them on the outside, they're never going to become tamah on in the inside because earthenware doesn't pick up the tuma all the way. You have to go into the airspace. So pachim ketanam, you can't stick your finger all the way to the bottom and therefore a zav could never be mitame, a small earthenware vessel. However, tuma's mace, if it's, pervasive in the place, you, everybody knows that you have to have all the earthenware vessels covered, because otherwise they're gonna pick up all that Tumas Mace into that airspace. So that is the kavachomer So again, Tumas Mace is so potent that it's gonna be Metame these earthenware pachim katanim. And yet and 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 yet we know Mamapat Shimitam Bezov, mace. So again, Azov cannot be Metame these little earthenware kalim. And Azov certainly if he sits on, on a mat is going to be it. So, din, shi, tumme, mace. so therefore, right? Tumas mace that can even be metame, little earthenware vessels. Certainly, all the more so, it could be metame a mat uh, uh, that it's on. Right, the corpse is on the mat. Of course, metame. It. And the Tana learns a fascinating thing when it comes to zav. When is the tum until erev? It's only until that night, and then you retire that night. You go through the purification process. Not for now, but as you travel through shas, you'll learn every detail of that. Don't even worry. But when it comes to Tumas Maze, that's when it comes to Tumas Zav. When it comes to Tumas, uh, right, Shiva, when it comes to Tumas Mace, that's a seven-day purification process. Oh, so now what are you going to say? Is the mat... So let me ask you this, Barry. We learned the Kavachomer that the mat is tame from Zav. So what are you going to say? How long is this mat going to be Tame? For seven days, like Tumas Mace? Or Dayo might indicate that it'll only be Tame until the evening, like a Zav. Because after all, you're learning it from a Kavachomer from Zav. So the Gemara, but am Right, That when you learn the Kavachomer, that the Tumas Mase is is going to be Matame at all, learn it from Azov, and therefore it should only be for the Erev. And the Dayo should exclude it from being Shiva. The Dayo should limit it to only one night. Ah, so it sounds like this Tana holds that you're. That he doesn't hold of dayo. He's disregarding it entirely. He's going to say that the tumas Mace of this mat that you learned from a Khomer from zav is extending for seven days. Isn't that a violent disre- he's, he's violent. He's like ignoring the dayo. Like I sometimes ignore the red lights on the way here at five in the morning because nobody's watching. <laughs> the Gemara says no. We already addressed this issue. Abayas said Tanamimapetz besheretz meisulah know that this Tana learned the mat from the sherets, from the sherets of sherets, and he learns it like this. How do we know that the mat would be from a creepy crawly? That's a kalvachomer. So let's get back to the pachim ketanin, right? The Dafiomi coincidence. That Azov we know cannot be matame. But certainly if a spider fell in there, it would be sherets. So therefore... A ma'patz, which certainly if a Zov sits on a mat, is going to be metamed. Certainly if a sharetz falls on a mat, it would be metamed also. Okay, so now that we have the, the sharetz to the mat, el ma'patz b'meis me nine So wait, so where do we know ma'patz b'meis? Nemar beged ve'or begged nemar beged ve'or b'meis. Ma beged ve'or amor b'sheretz, ma'patz t'mebo, a beged ve'or amor b'meis, ma'patz t'mebo. So the word beged ve'or, you have to look at the psukim. It says, O beged or. Beged or, or means that a garment or leather, right? It applies to sherets. The word begad or also apply in mace. So all of that is going to be either the, the clothing or, right? The or, the leather, are going to be metame, both by shratzim and human corpse, right? So just like beg, uh, beg or, it says by sherets, and in a sherets, a mat would become tame, so too it says by mace and a mat is tame there as well. So then we're going to discuss this idea of the Gzair Shavah, a little bit of the Mufneh. What does it mean when you make a of Beged Or? It is there. We'll pick up tomorrow, about two-thirds of the way down Chafei and beis. And then once we figure out the Gzair Shavah and the Mufneh and how, how available these psukim of Beged Or are, so the Gzair Shavah will resume four lines up from the bottom. Once we finish that with what the actual Halacha of Shein Veregel is in Rosh Hasharabim, back into the idea of Nezikin.